You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polendo. And we're back. Happy Potiversary. <gasps> Happy anniversary, oh. you guys. I know, two years on this adventure. It's kind of surprising, right? I legit thought it was three, so I don't Wait, know. Wait, I was like, season three. I literally season was like, three, is it season three? Two. Oh, so it's good. been two years since yeah. you agreed to this crazy adventure, and we're starting off season three. So we're giving you a bonus episode tonight. And the reason we wanted to do this is because we wanted to replay one of the most important episodes that we've published to date, which was one you might remember from September. And this was the story of Stacy Ross, where she came on the podcast and talked about the heart attack that she experienced experienced. And she recounted that whole situation and went through the details with Kim Newland, who's a nurse who actually helped her identify her symptoms. In the United States, we have American Heart Month, and that's February. In honor of that, we wanted to publish this episode. And we want to also remind everyone that, you know, heart attacks aren't just for men. In fact, they're the leading killer of women. So we want to make sure that everybody gets the word out. Yeah, so when we record this episode, some of the complications that we discussed were how women can downplay their symptoms or don't know how to advocate for themselves. I remember one thing highlighted was we avoid the word pain, and I can definitely yeah. relate to that. So we wanted to go over this important topic in honor of American Heart Month because it's so important for everyone to know how to advocate yeah. yourself in a serious situation like a heart attack, but any medical environment that you're in, you want to be your own mm -hmm. advocate. For sure. And uh, we really just ask that you, if you've heard it before, it's that September episode back in 2022. And we hope that you pass it on to women that you love. We're asking you to share it with somebody you love right now. Pass it, hit that arrow up button and spread the word. Help women know their symptoms. You can hear a lot about that in the episode and help women learn strategies to advocate for themselves and to learn how to advocate for the women you love in your life. So let's listen in to our episode from September. We are so excited to have you back, Stacey Ross, back with us on Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc. If any of you are listening and you remember this familiar voice, you heard Stacey talk to us about gaslighting on episode 23 and 24. So today we've invited her back to get caught up with what's new with her. And we're going to also have the expertise of Kim Newland, who is the director of nursing. She's the director of nursing somewhere. <laughs> and she does a lot of work in the area of women and heart attacks. So we're going to talk to her as our expert today. Meredith and Taylor, you have to meet my good friends. Well, you know my one friend, Stacy, here, mm -hmm. who is someone who was on our podcast before, as we talked about. This is Kim Newland, and she is a nurse and a director of nursing. And she is here to help us with our episode because we need experts. We need yeah. answers, Kim. Yes, oh. it is an honor to be here. I've loved listening to your show. So thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, so you great to meet you. Yeah. yeah. And I'm happy to be back. Hi, ladies. Congratulations Hi, on all the wonderful things that have been going on in your lives this last year. I know there's just been wonderful little baby merges <laughs> yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So oh, yeah. very Time happy flies. for all of you. Yes. A lot happens in one year. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that true? Gosh. Yes. <laughs> really crazy. So Stace, I have a question for you. <laughs> yes. What's new with you? <laughs> 
Well, so it's been, I think a year, I think July last year is when we did the podcast, correct? Something like that mid-July, ironically, a lot has happened in the last year. I know I shared with you ladies when we were talking about that topic of narcissism, I was sharing with you a little bit in there about my health history that I've been, Mm -hmm. um, was fighting breast cancer for the last three years. Mm -hmm. And after the podcast, just very soon after, like maybe two weeks after I ended up in the hospital for a week with COVID. And then I had another recurrence of my cancer. So I had to have a lumpectomy. And then a little over a month ago, I actually had a heart attack, which came as a huge surprise to me as well as everyone else around me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only 52. I'm not that old to be having them. And I know Kim will address age and things like that. And I have a unique circumstance, but it's, it's been a crazy month. I don't know if you want to hear all the details now, but I'm happy Tell to us. share with you what yeah. happened. Okay. Story. And I have to be honest with you. This will probably be the one of the first times I can tell everyone without mm. having a panic attack because oh, it's oh, wow. very much a big deal. And Kim can talk about that too. The after effects that people deal with during the last winter season, I got back into playing tennis. That's actually how Kim and Pam and I know each other. I got back into playing tennis and during the cold, cold nights, my chest would really hurt. And I kept thinking that was just that I hadn't fully recovered from COVID. Like maybe my lungs were still hurting or something. Didn't think much more of it. Just was like, okay, I'm out of shape. I've got to get kind of get back onto things. And then late May, it started happening in the warm weather. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange, but I am, I really must be out of shape. I need to start getting back into working out, real working out. Cause I'd been sick for so long. I wasn't doing like the gym workouts and mm-hmm. stuff anymore, mm-hmm. but I was ready to kind of mentally to get back into all that. I went up uh, hiking in Tahoe and about 15 minutes into my hike with my husband, I started having chest pain and my left arm went numb and I asked him to stop. And we took a breather. And in the back of my brain, I thought, well, that's weird. I "I wonder if that's like a heart attack. Ha ha. Like, I mean, really, I literally dismissed it completely. I, you know, I was dehydrated. We were up in altitude. I made all these little excuses, caught my breath. We moved on on the hike and it never happened again. So I didn't think twice Hmm. about it. So the very next weekend, I was supposed to go camping back up in Tahoe. That got canceled at the last minute. So I decided to join this new gym and do this HIT workout. 30 mm-hmm. minutes, no big deal, right? I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go do this. So I go to the class and I'm barely into it, 10, 15 minutes, and I am sweating like more than normal. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, that's weird. I, okay, again, I'm out of shape, but seems a little excessive. Then I started to feel dizzy. And then I started feeling a little nauseous and I'm not really someone who gets nauseous. I know that sounds weird, but even when I went through chemo, I yeah. never threw up. It's just not a first reaction for me. So I excused myself, went in the bathroom, put cold water on my face. I was pretty clammy. And I just thought, oh, this is so sad, Stacy. You've got a long way to get back into shape. I kept telling myself this. Mm. The other weird thing is while I was working out, I, my jaw really hurt. Um, We had to put dumbbells on the back, uh, like the bar on the back of my neck, like our neck and do squats. And I was like, gosh, that really hurts on the back of my neck. But again, just thinking out of shape. So didn't finish the class, got into my car, sat there and just knew something wasn't right. Like I just fell off, supposed Mm -hmm. to run a bunch of errands and just decided, okay, I'm going to go home. I, I don't feel good. Got home. And by the time I got home, I started having that same chest pain I had the weekend before numbness down my left arm. And um, this is the things not to do, ladies. So (laughs) then I thought, I think maybe I'll just 
go take a nap. <laughs> Maybe I just need to rest. Oh I probably gosh. am overexerted. <laughs> yeah. I called my husband because I wanted to tell him he didn't pick up. He was out of town and he was out of range for his phone. And I thought, I'm, I know he'll tell me to go rest. I probably overdid it. Took a nap, felt a little bit better when I woke up, came downstairs, was just, like I said, kind of out of it. I just literally laid like a couch potato. I even, I, that's what they just joke about. My friend was like, oh, you probably need potassium. I didn't have any fruit in the house. So I door dashed bananas and watermelon. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop. Sitting on the couch <laughs> eating it. And all of a sudden the pain came back, the chest pain, the numbness, uh, a little bit of dizziness. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm not even doing anything. I'm literally laying on the couch. This isn't right. So mm. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And then I thought of Kim because I know Kim's expertise. I knew she was home. I really feel there was some divine intervention because this was a Saturday on Friday night, her daughter graduated from high school and on Sunday was the graduation party. And I didn't even want to bother her because I knew she'd be running around busy, getting ready for everything. But I called her anyway. And she was like, I'm just cleaning the house. What's going on? And I told her, I said, oh, I'm a little concerned. I, I want to tell you what I'm feeling. And maybe you can give me your advice. And she said, you're not going to like what I have to say. Besides not being a man, you check off every other box. You need to get to the hospital immediately. Everyone was gone for the weekend. And she said, I'll come over right now. So she was over within literally five minutes, picked me up. We what went friend? straight to the hospital. Great friend. I was cleaning Check. toilets. I mean, really, yeah. come on. <laughs> Your choices. She got me out of that. No, I'm just Get out of doing that. Saturday night. I'm that exciting of a person. <laughs> I, I felt very lucky though, that that was the day of your three option, three day option. So Kim took me to the hospital. We got into the ER and it was kind of a strange thing because I was talking. I was not super out of breath. If I, and Kim, I might forget some of the things. So please tell me if I'm not remembering it right. They did an EKG. It seemed normal but they brought me in and they ran some blood work. And that's when they started to realize it was serious. And Kim kept saying, tell them all the other symptoms you're having. Then the ball started rolling. And from there, they checked me into the hospital. God bless Kim. She stayed with me for hours. I kept saying, please go home. You've got your family to deal with, you know, and my husband wasn't even in town. He wasn't able to get back. But anyway, they checked me in, started running a bunch of tests knew that they were going to keep me in. And they were even talking about doing a cath. They kept saying a cath. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how serious that is. I don't even exactly know what that is, but I knew Kim was doing something because she was on her phone a lot <laughs> while we were sitting there. So I knew she was working some stuff behind the scenes. They checked me in that night. I was in surgery the very next day. So they had to put a stent into my heart or to my oh. left. What is it? LAD? What is that, Kim? It's the artery for the left side of your heart, left yeah, anterior descending. Yeah, that's it. Anterior descending. So they had, uh, it was a hundred percent occluded, fully blocked, which is crazy. Got me in surgery Saturday, no Sunday. And then I was home Monday. So that's also a very weird what? thing. Yes. Yeah. They released yeah. the next day and it's kind of a weird thing. Cause like you, you break a bone and you kind of can see you've got a cast on, right? This yeah. is so different. And the fact that you go home the next day, but your world has literally been turned upside down. And it's been a, it's been a really tricky and difficult month to navigate. And I can get into all that, you know, when mm -hmm. we talk a little bit more about other things, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's much I would have done differently, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. because I was, I couldn't imagine that was happening.
And what I will share with you, at least the feedback I've received from the cardiologists is my heart attack was due to my cancer treatments. Mm-hmm. So the damage to my heart from my chemo and my elevated cholesterol from my aromatase inhibitor, the medication I'm on. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a crazy month, but that that's kind of the gist of what's been happening in the last yeah. year. Man. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, it so, seems like you're okay to an extent. We're very glad to have you here. Yeah. Thank so, like, you. Thankful for that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm very grateful to be here too. And I am okay in some ways. The stent actually got more blood flow into my body, which was, that's been a good thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it's going to take some time to heal. And I, I'm not the most patient person. So <laughs> well, I hear you on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing I would observe about you, Stace, is that, you know, the rest of us haven't had a lot of these dramatic experiences and you've had three now, or maybe more than three, I don't know. And you're here. So I feel like you belong here. You belong on this earth. So I'm, you know, the rest of us walk around and we're like, I think I'm supposed to be here, (laughs) but you keep getting the wind column there. And I know, and I know Kim helped a lot with that. Very much so. I said that you're just a a secret shopper for healthcare, (laughs) but you're having to pay the bills. (laughs) And that part I do not like. I know. I'm not interested in this job anymore. Where do we put the ratings? You're testing all elements of our healthcare system. That's right. right Yeah. I'll write a blog on it or something. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, anything to add to that story or? I do think I said in when you, well, you texted me and said, I have something very important. And I said, okay, this is, this is serious. I will definitely reach out to her. She's not asking Mm -hmm. me just to go have coffee. I think that I asked if you would call 911 and you were like, mm, yeah, not so much. Don't really want to. And, and I said, okay, that, that's fine. I'll come. And, you know, we spent probably about six hours, five, five hours together that night. And yeah. in my reflection, I may not have helped the situation because I think you and I talked for five hours straight. So it was like <laughs> our, our selfish opportunity to catch up. And so I, in hindsight, I think, they probably thought she has to be okay because they are right. talking nonstop. That's probably true. <laughs> Maybe a funny. coffee date would have been better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the ER. Coffee date. Yeah. Actually, what you don't realize though is even though they weren't maybe totally sure until they start running the tests, your presence was exactly what I needed. That mm-hmm. was a, the most calming force. To do that alone would have been mm-hmm. very scary. Yeah. Very, very scary. And here's the other thing, ladies the hospitals are not allowing spouses and people to come. They barely let Kim come in. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh no, no, you have to stay outside. And she says, I work here. I'm a nurse. Oh, okay. So that was really nice mm-hmm. because I, I, I would have been all by myself and mm-hmm. that's not good. Yeah. I, and I still think if you were a male and had walked in and, and again, I no criticism to my hospital, I think things would have moved a bit faster too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we should... kept saying maybe, maybe something else, maybe, you know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should probably talk about some stats re- related to women and heart attacks mm-hmm. and kind of review what's going on out there after this happened. And I learned about this from Stacy. I did some research and I was startled at the difference between men and women in how they present the symptoms, how they talk about the symptoms, how they advocate differently for themselves or don't. We wanted to do this episode to have you who are listening forward this to all the women in your life 
give them a chance to learn from Kim. And we're going to go through the, the signs and, and management of that and give some advice. But it was really put on my radar by you, Stacy, And it's just incredible what's going on. Just looking at the research, it says that cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of mortality in women in the U.S. and globally. I had no idea that was true. I don't know what mm -hmm. I thought was. But when you talk about kind of the difference between men and women, like if this is number one, why do we treat them differently or why? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. That right. There was a study in the New England Journal of Medicine. They talked about women in their 50s and younger are seven times more likely to be misdiagnosed in a cardiac event and sent home than men. Jesus. Wow. Which is a stunning number. Yeah. And another interesting fact of percentages here by the British Heart Foundation uh, study reported that women had a 50% higher chance than men of receiving a wrong initial diagnosis following a heart attack. So really high percentages. Yeah. Yeah. They're startling, especially when it's the number one killer, right? It's like, what, what's yeah. going on? I, it, it was funny because when we did the research and when I talked to you, Stacey, I felt such motivation to talk about this here in this format. Yes. Let's get serious about how we communicate about this topic. Kim, why is this happening? Hmm. It's years uh, in the making for sure. Okay. Taylor, what, what do you think is the number one killer of women? I, I guess I just assumed cancer. Most yeah. of the women I know have had cancer. Yeah. You know, a lot of the original research that was done on symptoms and risk factors and treatments was 100% men. And so all of those algorithms we have and the symptoms, like what we call typical symptoms, even mm -hmm. though women are not having, I guess, typical symptoms, but are having them often more, it, those were just developed on the, the research and it was on men. We've known for years what causes heart attacks, but we've just, and, and what the symptoms are, but it, again, it's just been in the male, male species and not the female species. I think that's part of it. Right. So I think mm -hmm. kind of what's taught and what's still in the textbooks and kind of what's on all of your, your cards. Like when I told Stacy, you have every check off everything except being a male and smoking. So no smoking. Yeah. So that's oh, that's it. true. Don't start. Cause we don't want to add that. Um, no, so, no. so that too. And because it's known as a, a men's disease and it's not well known, mm -hmm. we normalize it. Like what Stacy did. Oh, I, I am probably out of shape. I have probably not been exercising, you know, Oh, I have three kids at home that I take care for there. I don't get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. I've been caring for my parents. And so I must be tired. There's just, there's a million different ways for women to normalize the symptoms that they're having. And some of the common symptoms women have, which mm -hmm. are fatigue and shortness of breath, dizziness can be attributed to so many things. Um, mm. you know, it can be, I, I've been staying awake more, or I haven't been exercising. Maybe I've gained some weight. I've been stressed. I'm the caregiver for everybody. I've been working more allergies is a really common one. People have shortness of breath. The number of people I see who come in, who've been put on an inhaler for kind of allergies or early asthma. And really it's the shortness of breath from the cardiac symptoms is, is yeah, it, I should probably like actually massive misdiagnosis, oh like massive. Yeah. That's so huge. the, the symptoms aren't necessarily different, but the way we kind of tell ourselves to minimize them is what is different between men and women. No, that's a great, it's a great question. So it's both. Um, there's some, some research that shows that two thirds of women don't have your typical chest pain where it's only a third of men don't have typical chest pain. So mm. when you think about 
you know, the old TV shows or movies. And it's that crushing elephant, you know, sitting on my chest pain. If two thirds of women don't have that, then that's usually like Mm -hmm. your big red flag. So I think we tell ourselves if it's not that it's not a heart attack. A lot of times the healthcare providers are trying to, trying to figure out another reason. From my reading, it appeared that we've done most of the research on men and we're even told that our symptoms are atypical, which makes men the the marker for what's considered typical, which is crazy if we make up 50% of the population, right? We're atypical and they're typical. Fascinating. I just want, I wanted to highlight that label because that's kind of interesting. But what I'm hearing you say though, Kim, is the list is different. Is the list longer for women? Like more, like, do they have a shorter list, like five things and we have 10 things or? You have like your typical, which are chest pain, radiating down your left arm, jaw pain, tingling, and then this whole list of atypical, but then those atypical ones. So GI symptoms, nausea, vomiting, cold sweats, fatigue, shortness of breath. Those are under the atypical, but then those are the typical for women or, or more typical. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's so cool. you just almost have to just like flip it on its head and then yeah, which that's interesting. makes sense. They're the yin to our yang or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think women necessarily know that the GI stuff and the no. cold sweats. And I, I wouldn't no. say maybe I knew that before this. Yeah. No, definitely. And and what we learn in nursing school or medical school is kind of like pale, cool, diaphoretic, right? Not getting enough oxygen, having some sweats can accompany it. But it, right, like Stacy said, gosh, I'm sweating abnormally. But that weekend wasn't hot. I think it even rained no. that weekend. It was like typically <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah but I was working out. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe it's hot. And what's funny is that GI stuff too, because I had had a few episodes of the stomach hurting uh, and I really blew it off. Even knowing I am not someone who typically gets GI stuff. How did Mm -hmm. I let myself not think that was something of of subsequence? You know, I I, I just- It's uh, just, it sounds complicated. I mean, you really have to have the facts to be able to mm -hmm. understand that these could all equal that thing. And right. you really need to listen as a clinician and ask the right questions because you don't put all those things together, right? Like why would my stomach hurt and my neck hurt? And mm. right. Like, mm-hmm. cause yeah. I think even, I remember Stace, you said, I put the lap bar on my back and my neck and they're like, Oh, you must've bruised it. And I was like, right. Or, or not <laughs> again, <laughs> or being out of shape. Oh, it's probably hard for you. I'm like, it barely weighed anything. Like it, it didn't add up. <laughs> It was a two pound pull. It really <laughs> was not, not very heavy at all. I'm like, this is sad. So a, a lot of what I'm hearing is it sounds like our hour and I'm saying as a, as a woman, our expression of this pain seems to be like something about us before it actually becomes something about what's actually happening. Right. Does that makes sense. Oh, like, interesting. Like, like it's about me versus I'm having this actual pain. Right. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Because and then that- people don't believe it. I mean, I think Stace, you even mentioned, yeah, I was in here one time, but they ruled it out as a panic attack. And I was like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. But that was a long time ago. But I, didn't I know, know, but still like, that's really, really common. Right. So yeah. they say, oh, it's, it is about you. So you kind of say, oh, it must be about me. Like, oh, yeah. I probably I'm not eating. I need some bananas and water. Yeah. <laughs> Almost the first thought was guilt yes. and shame. Like, oh, I, well, I'm just not as fit as something I totally. used to be or, oh, I would, you know, doing yeah. these things, I've just worn, worn down, haven't slept. And all yeah. I heard was 
the self guilt and shame instead of like, oh, this thing is happening to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you combine that with not being taken seriously, perhaps by someone. I'm not saying you had that care, Mm -hmm. Stacey, but you know, we're hearing evidence seven times more likely to be misdiagnosed. (laughs) Yeah. So there's some disconnect between the person who's meeting all of these women that have this experience and it's our number one Hmm. killer. What's going on communicatively there? Is it that the physician has a predetermined view that they don't accept new information? Is it that people aren't giving the information? Is it that women don't know the signs so they skip things? That's probably part of it. I mean, I think it, I think there's a lot that goes into it. What do you think, Kim? Yes to all yes to all of what you just said. It is it's multifactorial and it's you know you talk about information becomes confirmation bias for what mm-hmm. you think and it's really hard as a clinician to make sure you stay open and listen to everything and ask those open-ended questions rather than going down that path. Um, do we need to do a better job educating women and their loved ones about it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a huge part. And there's a lot, if you've ever seen the go red for women through the American heart association, they have Mm -hmm. a huge campaign to really raise, raise awareness, do it and shows like this. And there's actually a great, pretty funny video on um, American Heart Association of a, a young woman who is having a heart attack. And it's finally like her nine-year-old son who Googles the symptoms, who tells her to call 911. But oh my she's gosh. like, I got, I got too much to do. I got, I got to pack lunches and yeah. 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 And, and we'll put that link to that in the show notes. So oh, good. everyone yeah, look out for fun. that. I think it's called just a little heart attack. Yeah. Is that yeah. The name of it? Okay. Just a little. Just, just a, a little, little heart attack. Thing. You can hear the communication yeah. just and little. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. So one of the things in my reading was that that women on the chest pain point, it sounds like men are more likely to to come in and just go, I have chest pain. It's killing me. And women are saying, I have like tightening or I have heaviness or would you have any comments on that, Kim? Yeah. And I, you know, Stacey even... <laughs> was a good example of this because oh, okay. they would walk in and, and say, all right, so, you know, how is, or, so you're not having any pain anymore. And she'd be like, uh, no, it's actually a six or a seven out of 10. And they're like, oh, so again, huh. <laughs> where I may have been a disadvantage to her <laughs> was where we were just, were talking. So you weren't, I think we were distracting you, but you know, she went up to the triage window and said, I am having chest pain. They did take her back right away. I mean, I think True. that was absolutely, it's the best kept secret that if you need to be seen quickly in the ER, you tell them you're having chest pain, even if you hurt <laughs> pinky. Um, but she was, <laughs> she was seriously <laughs> having that. Yeah. So I think, you know, and you, you kind of talk about the man cold. I don't know if it's like the man chest pain is, is experienced worse by the, the men, but we don't do a good job. Again, even Stacy mm-hmm. was saying, well, maybe because, you know, maybe because I'm out of shape, you were kind of normalizing mm-hmm. it for them, right? You were, you were discounting your own Gosh, story versus. Wow. Going, I don't oh, even this, remember all that. This That's really crazy. Hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It did, but you also you're in denial. I can't say it any other way. This cannot be a heart attack in my mind. You know, you run through the things of I'm too young or, you know, whatever those things are. Mm -hmm. It just, and I I do kind of wonder if Kim hadn't picked up the phone that Saturday, Mm. what would I, what would I have done? Would I've continued to lay on the couch in that pain? I mean, again, nobody was home. Would I have eventually called 911? I don't, I'm not even sure what I would have done. And her being there, prompting me a little bit, let them know the other things you're feeling. Uh, what if I hadn't? 
That's another mm-hmm. thing. I'm physically actually at the ER experiencing it. And yet I'm trying to be as honest as I can. Yeah. The pressure was constant and it was there. It wasn't painful, but it was, I don't know how you explain it, but it, it, it hurt, but it wasn't like, ouch, ouch. This is like a nine or a 10, but it was definitely, I was very aware of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's a crazy experience. And I, it's funny, Kim, you're talking about the red dress and I'm thinking, Ooh, I have a pink ribbon and a red dress now. I'm so happy. But, but the truth is overachiever, (laughs) (laughs) but there is something to be said about getting this information out there. Cause I, again, my, my circumstances are a bit unique, but I'm curious. My question to you, Kim is what do you see age-wise with women? I know I'm a little bit of an anomaly, but maybe not as much as I think. Do you have a lot of 50-year-olds coming in or somewhere in that range? What do you typically see? No, we're seeing more and they're often late presenters. I will, I'll pay you a little compliment. Mm. So I met with the cardiologist who put the stent in Mm -hmm. and he's like, we just, you know, it's hard when a woman who's 30 or 40 comes in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell him. Close. That made my day. I know. They also. She's buy- recovered, everyone. She's that recovered made, now. Yeah. Woo! I feel good. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you're saying it's more common. You're seeing more and more. Yes, women. and women. Yeah. We are one of my favorite all-time programs. I run is a what's called cardiac rehab. So it's taking in individuals after they've had an event, and then they go through like an exercise and lifestyle program. And and our group was talking about it after Stacy was in, and and we were talking about we're just starting to see younger women, mm-hmm. and there there is research out there where I'm working. We're actually working on a cardio oncology kind of risk screening tool and management Mm. program and really looking at that through like a survivorship clinic. Yes. You're, you're younger. We talked to you, you have a little bit of a remote family history, but it's not super strong. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of the same risk factors for breast cancer are the same for cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. And like you said, your cholesterol was really high for several years because Mm -hmm. of those meds. And that and stress, stress is a huge risk factor. I mean, you've been under (laughs) more stress than most people I know physical and just, just a lot going on. So not, not uncommon that, that Mm -hmm. we're seeing it. So Mm -hmm. she had a lot of stress when she played tennis with me. She had a lot of stress. Right. Both Kim and Pam were my two main partners, ladies. So I was very blessed because they're, they're, they're both like amazing. I wanted to say something about the cardiac care, Mm -hmm. the rehab that Kim heads up. I'm attending that. Unfortunately, I can't do it at her hospital because it's out of network for me. So I'm at a different hospital, but she's trained some of the people over there as well. (laughs) And I highly, highly recommend this because I had an episode during one of my sessions where I got nauseous again, dizzy heart, the whole thing. And what you have to start to learn, cause it's bad enough that the heart attack happens, but the, unfortunately now everything feels like a heart attack because anxiety feels oh. like it. Stress feels like it. And oh, I, I was having to that. learn, Oh, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> so I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it cause you like under you under evaluate it. And then now you're over evaluating it. Right. Exactly. Right. And oh. I ended up back in the hospital again because I didn't want to overreact, but I didn't want to underreact. I'm like, I don't know. And so they have, I'm on a little heart monitor. You can probably see that maybe, I don't know, in the video. And they're just making sure I don't have AFib. What it turned out is a lot of it had to do with anxiety. Mm. So the same thing I ended up in the hospital for the second time happened during my cardiac rehab day. 
could not have happened at a better place. They ran all the regular stuff, checked my glucose, checked my blood pressure, my heart rate. All of it was good. It turned out it was, it was anxiety. Yeah. You know, it was just this anxiety that, that creeps <sighs> up and it's a, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I was glad it happened then because now I'm learning. I don't have to run to the ER every time, you know, I'm, I'm learning what's different. And so the, the class that Kim has created is essential. It's not just, oh, I think you should sign up for it. Everyone needs to go through this because it allows you to start exercising again. And I love to exercise. I love to be active and I'm missing it so much. And even the little things, the 15 minutes on a treadmill and 15 minutes on a bike, it's a little hard for me right now. So they teach you that. And the other thing Kim taught me and they're reiterating is that you have to be on a lot of medication once you've had a heart attack. I don't love medications. I tend to like to do things as naturally as possible. And Kim just explained it in a way that I was like, I got it. Okay. She said, you know, again, if you're broken a body part, you'd put a cast on that, but you can't put a cast on your heart. So the medications serves as that. It's like bubble wrapping your heart. And I think she even said, I'm sending it off to Hawaii for a little <laughs> vacation. <laughs> I'm like, I'd like to go there as well with my heart. Take my body <laughs> with you. <laughs> the concept of that allowed me to just be okay with all these changes that are happening. Cause they're not forever, mm-hmm. you know, and these, the cardiologists super encouraging. They're like, you know what, you can, you'll be surprised how much better you're going to feel, but we got to heal the heart before we get there. So learn mm-hmm. to slow down. And, and maybe Ooh. that's something getting back slow to Kim's. Down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what Kim, one of the comments she made about like, we as women are multi jugglers. Like we are constantly right. Mm-hmm. Just doing so many things. And this is a big lesson for me. Like I am, I mean, my life is like, er, stop, yeah. don't do much, chill out. And I'm like, okay. But you know, we had to kind of do that through COVID. Like it's been a lesson that a lot of people are learning in different levels, but this is like, I really have to hit the brakes and it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. but it's necessary. So it sounds like knowing the symptoms and then not, and knowing what's just anxiety, that's key for you. Yes. But we saw in the research, it says even after seeking help, women get consistently worse care. And that the US, what does it say? When women have um, with heart attack symptoms, they're less likely to receive aspirin, um, yeah. be resuscitated. And even when they're being transported to the hospital, the ambulance don't turn on their sirens or flashing lights like, mm. like they do for men. Like, what is that? That is insane to me. I don't understand. That is insane. Why would you not put on flashing lights for someone who's um, having a heart attack? What's but if you don't believe her, if I think you're having a panic attack, why put the siren on? You're just going to feed into the yeah. I was going to ask too. It's is there also? I mean, it's it's the not believing right, and we're we're getting into that too. But there's a story I say in my head when Mm -hmm. I ever see a doctor or any sort of treatment I've had, even all through my recent delivery, you know, my child, a feeling like I had to prove that I was strong enough to the medical staff Mm. or something. This Mm -hmm. weird thing, like I'm capable of this, Mm. you know, I can do it. I mean, there are all of this research that we're not being diagnosed. We're not, you know, being treated the same. How can we encourage women to use their communication to not do what I do, which is be okay, you know, and I don't know. That's a better advocate for themselves. Yeah. So so I want to do one thing before we get to that. I want to talk about the patterns of decision-making. The study that they did in Oregon talked about the six patterns of decision-making that they found. Mm -hmm. And you can comment on this at the end, Kim. 
first is knowing you're having a heart attack and then going to get help within five to 15 minutes. Second one, knowing and letting someone else take over. Third one, knowing and going on your own terms. So you don't like to ask for help. And you often, if you're in this pattern, you try to drive yourself to the hospital. I'm sure you have comments about that one, Kim. Knowing and waiting, you know, like taking a nap or you don't want to disturb others, right? (laughs) Getting a banana. My favorite, yeah, the banana. This Well, this is actually really good because number five is managing an alternative hypothesis. So it must be potassium. I'm going to DoorDash, bananas, and watermelon. Yeah, it must be out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the other is to just minimize and hope it goes away. So I found those to be interesting and very reflective of what I know about women. What are your thoughts, Kim? Oh, gosh. Well, I do it all the time. I mean, I ignore everything until... (laughs) I'm going to have to amputate my arm or something. Even as a nurse? Yes. I'm so mad. My poor children. You're fine. I don't know what's coming out of your ear, but you're fine. Um, so, (laughs) um, So you talk about like life skills you teach your children, right? You really want them to just make sure you write everything down and go through either pros or cons. This is something we talk a lot about just in cardiac rehab is you have to write it down because otherwise you're not going to remember or you're like attribute it to something else. Right. So one is, is knowing something's not right. I think we're all pretty good at, at realizing Mm -hmm. that. Right. So that's kind of like the first part. I know something's not right. You just need to not go to the normalization piece. You need to say, okay, Mm -hmm. stick with the facts. What am I feeling? And if it's a lot of things all at once and Stace, you may have had this too, even with your breast cancer diagnosis, what are all the things? And you know, you may not pick up the pattern, but you need to bring that forward and, and present it to whomever mm-hmm. you're meeting with. And yeah. I mean, like you say, you just can't say that's oh, nothing. The more you do that, the more you bring that person along with that other kind of mm-hmm. that alternate hypothesis, like you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know if we do this when we bring a car to the mechanic. Oh, gosh, I probably drive it a little hard, right? Like we don't usually do that. We're like, these are all the things that are going wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's it, right. So, yeah. you know, we need to, we need to kind of follow that. Like, example. Yeah. You know, we try to diagnose ourselves and we just, because like Stacy said, that's the last thing you want to think it's going to be. And, oh my gosh, yeah. I need to go to my daughter's graduation next weekend. This will be super yeah. inconvenient. <laughs> so, that, that, so what Kim's referring to is my daughter graduated from college the next weekend. And I kept telling them in the hospital, okay, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I cannot miss my daughter's graduation oh next weekend. <laughs> and at one point they're like, you might be having bypass surgery. And I'm like, no, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh my God. I said, I, I, and if I do, I better still be able to go to her graduation, which I was able to go. So that was a blessing, wow. but, but Kim's right. You're a mom first. It's the craziest thing, the stuff you think about. Yeah. Anyway. And we minimize, we don't use pain. I mean, there's research out yeah. there, right. That shows mm-hmm. that we don't use that word. And like you said, we don't want to be seen as we, you know, when we use it, Kim, we use the word pain when we give birth. I was going to say, and we also have childbirth. Yeah. When we ask about it on a scale of one to 10, if you've given natural childbirth, we'll often say, okay, 10 is childbirth, right? So to try to get you on a scale or just take that off the scale and don't even think about it because it's just a whole mm-hmm. different experience. Like, yes. yeah. you know, yeah. So yeah. it does make it hard. Like and that hundred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So not on the childbirth pain scale, but on the other pain scale. Right. Right. But, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Do we know why we don't say the word pain though? 
I think for many reasons, we don't want to admit weakness. We don't want to be thought of as not being strong enough to handle it. Don't want to exaggerate. Don't want to make a fuss. Don't want to have attention. Don't want to be having a heart attack. Yeah. 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 And men, I think because, and maybe this is a good side of the men's side that they think the disease is theirs. So if they have pain, they're like, hey, save me. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They might consider that that's actually what's happening. More readily because they've been normalized to think it's a man's disease like we all have. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, maybe if it's just, again, as women, we do tend to tolerate and push through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself, I mean, I cried a lot, very scary, but at the same time, I also was like, okay, all right. Maybe again, knowing I had a goal of going to my daughter's graduation, but it was like, okay, I'm going to get through this Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. we're going to figure the next step out. And that's, um, but I think that resilience part. Yeah. Can I ask, so even that, like, maybe that's just making me feel emotional, but even that in the hospital to think I have to get to the next thing. What is that? I'm relating with that feeling that you're having, but mm-hmm. what is that? Why are we not sitting in the, that room going like, I need to take care of this, this me right now, like this body mm-hmm. of mine. Why am I like, get me better so I can go get out of here. You know, like, yeah. Uh, well, I, I can only, you. <laughs> yeah, I can only speak for myself. I, I lost out on a lot over the three years having cancer, something specifically with my kids. And, and when I had COVID, I couldn't take my son to college. And I just thought nothing is going to step between this too much. I've lost too much. And I'm, I was very determined. And honestly, sometimes I think that serves me and women in general, that sort of drive and that maybe stubbornness and tenacity. Oh yeah. But I also see the flip side of it and how it may have got me may, I don't want to say got me where I am in terms of having the heart attack, but there is a, a point of saying you really do need to slow down. Even though I don't feel like I could go any slower than I've been going these last <laughs> few years. That's, that's the message is again, is like something needs to change because whatever was happening is not working, whether mm-hmm. that's mentally, whether it's physically. And that's mm-hmm. maybe the lesson also to take away from it. And that's personally how I look at my thing and all this stuff that happens to me. Like I have to learn something from it because the thought of it just randomly happening is just too much out of my control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and Stace is super lucky. And I think you might've had this conversation with one of the cardiologists, but because she's overall, I mean, she was still playing tennis through this and healthy and you know, very holistic and working on just lots of things. And so she actually built little detours, um, like blood vessels. So we call them collateral. So like, if you think of a roadblock and then you have to build a road around it, her arteries Hmm. were building these little detours to get blood to the heart. Hmm. I think that's important risk factors. And I think even before the pain starts, right? Like you're talking about what's really important is knowing what the risk factors are and how much they do play a part of it. Right. I mean, we have kind of your typical risk factors, 
breast cancer and the treatment and that kind of stuff is separate. COVID, breast cancer and heart disease, a lot of their basis is an inflammation too. So, Mm -hmm. and stress. So all of those are related. It's hard for us to measure that, but there's a lot we do know on American Heart Association. They just changed Life Simple 7, which is a way to look at kind of your risk factors. And it's now the essential eight because they actually added the importance (laughs) of sleep in there. So for you new moms, (laughs) sorry, they come a little later. You can actually do a a heart score on this website before you even have symptoms, you know, like, oh gosh, I really am at risk because of, Mm. you know, I'm more sedentary. My diet's not great. Are we putting um, this have... in the show notes, this link? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure are. Yeah, for sure. So it's tell real- us what the eight are. The eight yeah, are what? The eight are smoking, so don't smoke. And mm. then diet, so eating kind of a low saturated fat diet. Don't eat foods that cause inflammation, like with a lot of processed foods. Know your blood pressure. Know your blood sugar, because high blood sugar also leads to inflammation. Know your cholesterol. If you're overweight, you know, try to try to bring that down, especially if you have just more abdominal fat. It's called the brown fat. It causes more inflammation as well. Be active. The mm-hmm. eighth one is is sleep. So getting yeah. good regular seven to eight hours a night of sleep because you don't have sleep and then you raise your serum cortisol level and cortisol is a stress hormone and it just feeds into that inflammation cycle as well. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you can actually calculate your score. If you're doing well on those essential eight, if it's like six or more, your chances of a heart attack are really, really small, but the, Mm. you know, the less of those that you have, those essential eight in your favor, your risk just goes up significantly. And they're kind of synergistic too. Like they add up, but then Mm. they feed on each other, especially smoking. Just to clarify, because we're in California smoking, anything. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I mean, I'm just trying to make it clear. Good question. No, and there's more research coming out about the impact of marijuana, vaping as well, and alcohol. More alcohol too leads to more, not an IPA, not just one beer or something. Yeah. An IPA. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for maintenance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are some other things we can do here? Starting at 20, I think, so if we had 16 people in a room, one of us would already have cardiovascular disease developing in our arteries. So it's knowing early that even those habits you're starting to develop in college or just kind of as you start to raise a family and look at your food choices and how active you are or aren't. So those, those things early really do, it's just a cumulative effect, right? So knowing Mm -hmm. early for the risk factors is good. Knowing the signs and symptoms, obviously. And knowing them for a friend, I, I do also reflect back on what Stacy was telling me when she would, we were talking about how she was short of breath playing tennis. I wonder if I should have, I should have caught that a little bit sooner. Mm. I mean, I think you and I just kept saying, oh, that darn COVID, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But I think listening to our friends when they're starting to say, or just make sure they know they can, they can talk to you if they feel like they can't talk to someone else and really advocating for them to, to be seen and and, and write down those symptoms. Women um, having a safe space to tell each other what's really going on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, I will tell you one thing, Kim, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I feel like a lot of things for women in my age get blamed on menopause. Oh, yeah. And oh. that it yeah. feels like the fallout for every issue you p- could possibly have. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. Women tend to have cardiovascular disease about 10 years later than men. And a lot of it's because there's a protective effect of estrogen. So just, I mean, that's just kind of a, a, like, we'll start with that. So it's usually why women are, do present later, although not all the time, Mm -hmm. but you're right. I mean, think about your symptoms. I'm tired, sweating, Mm -hmm. right? fatigue, dizzy. It is, it's really, really common. And it, it's weight and gain. Yeah. Weight gain, all of <laughs> yep. that. Right. Versus mm-hmm, yep. you not feeling well enough to exercise at the capacity you're normally used to doing. And then you're sitting more and then not able to, to burn those calories. Right. But really it's yeah. not, it's because you're not able to exercise. There was a lot of research done on whether we should do hormone replacement therapy to prevent cardiovascular disease. That was kind of in the nineties and that did not mm-hmm. pan out. That was actually not the, the solution, but you're right. Again, it's just, it's that it's, um, the time where you really start to see that in, increase in cardiovascular disease, disease in women. And so <laughs> I'm sure, did you attribute some of it to menopause? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. But I was yeah. told that was a, a big thing. Yeah. Um, there's another, is there another way to test? Like I heard of something called like the Boston heart panel, or maybe that's not the right term, but some kind of blood work that you can do to check the quality of your heart or something. I mean, is that something even, even like for everyone that's listening, like, is there something you can ask your doctor to run to give you even a baseline, like not just your lipid panels and stuff, but other things as well? Yeah. I mean, there's more, um, blood tests you can run, which will give you more diagnostics on like your cholesterol level. It'll break it down and help you understand some of those. You can get, uh, a calcium, a coronary calcium, um, score as well, which they can do through using, uh, uh, CT of your CT is called a CT angiogram, which can look at it as well. There's not enough evidence to show that just running those will pick up. I mean, you'll get false positives. And even we right. use like a stress test probably would have been good for you. Like if you had gone in and said, gosh, when I'm exercising, I'm getting the symptoms, they'd probably stick you on a treadmill and have you exercise and see what your EKG would do, or even check yeah. like a ultrasound of your heart to see kind of what was happening with, with mm-hmm. the heart. But again, you have to have someone listen to you and then order the test. And unfortunately with stress tests, there are more false positives for women. So sometimes they mm. discount the, <laughs> the studies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's Come hard up. to know what to trust. Some of this that we're talking about reminds me of when we had Jamal on, I think it's our 19th episode. And he talks about how we kind of don't listen to our bodies anymore. One, like knowing yourself, I think is important, but we're always trying to minimize. And I think that's something women do a lot, minimize what's going on. And Mm -hmm. kind of with the car example, like the check engine light comes on, we tend to just like, oh, it's just because or oh, this instead of saying like, oh, maybe I need to change something or I need to do something to address that check engine light. And I don't know, that's just kind of what I was thinking about a lot with this. My cousin, and I always talk about was we never want to go to the bathroom and our body's like telling us go to the bathroom. And we're like, we don't want to stop the conversation or, or miss out on fun. It's like your body is telling you something. Why are you always trying to shut your body down? Mm. Yeah. And it's an yeah, important thing to to know your body, to listen to your body. And if it's telling you, oh, I'm anxious or, oh, I'm having a heart attack, I need to check in on this and maybe go to the hospital or Mm -hmm. change something in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Sounds like part of knowing your body's telling you something though is to slow down enough to listen to it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're sort of messing ourselves up a little. 
by Just having a communication a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Meredith. I like that. We're messing ourselves up a little. The minimizing is a big one. What should we be not saying, Kim? And what should we be saying? Yeah, I think making sure that you share everything that doesn't feel right, even if you don't think it's anything, because the sum of all those parts will often mean more. Don't discount, you know, don't come in saying, I'm sure it's nothing, or (laughs) I have a lot of anxiety anyway. So it kind of feels like that. You don't want to to color the water before they've had a chance to look at it um, right. and, and kind of come up with their own, own decision or differential diagnoses. Tell the, the right person, right? You can talk about it to, to other people, but you may actually need to get in there and, and make an appointment and it may be a nurse practitioner or a, a clinician. And often I see patients and they have about five different providers, right? Cause they're seeing the kidney doctor or different things. Mm-hmm. And so one of my first questions I ask is who do, who listens to you the best? Like, who hmm. do you trust the mm-hmm. most? Who would you like go that. to? And often it's not their primary care provider, which is mm. interesting that make sure you're sharing what's going on with that person. So mm-hmm. you kind of got to find your person and it should be a it should be someone, you know, in the healthcare field, if your body is not mm-hmm. feeling right. And again, it may be be a friend who's in healthcare, but, but it is good because sometimes you also kind of maybe leave certain things out with friends. And so mm-hmm. you really got to go in and, and share everything, even the embarrassing things, right? Like the weed smoking, Stacy. <clears throat> Just gummies. <laughs> <laughs> that was you prescribed can anyway. So that's for another episode. That's right. That's a different episode. Yeah. So, okay. So we talked about what we shouldn't say. What should we say? Let's say I'm having some symptoms. I've heard this podcast. I'm walking into the ER because I've decided to actually go. Maybe I've stopped talking myself out of it and I'm, I'm there. What, what do I say? Cause the men say I'm having chest pain. I need to be seen right away. What should we be demanding? Should we be direct or what, what do you suggest? Yeah. I, I think you could even go so far as to say, I'm having, you know, and you list your symptoms. So I'm having chest pain that's radiating down my left arm to my jaw, nausea. I've, you know, I've had nausea. I've been vomiting and I've had cold sweats. I've never felt this set of symptoms before. And Mm. I am very concerned that I'm having a heart attack. I mean, I think you can say that much because you, then you're priming them to the, to what you want them to look for. I mean, the only downside is if it's not, it's not right. I mean, like really there's okay. It's okay. That's why we have emergency rooms and providers is to help you catch these things. The other thing is, is if it's been happening for a while is make sure because they'll start asking, how long has this been happening? Mm -hmm. Well, I had the chest pain last week when I was exercising, it happened 15 minutes in like Stacy was doing a really good job with this. Plus I was having fatigue doing things I normally do. I, you know, normal. And and it's hard when people are active, like this happens with men too. I will say Mm -hmm. as well, he said he could only play one set of tennis and normally he plays five. Oh, he's fine. But, but I've seen people like that yeah. or he could mm-hmm. only do 30 minutes on his bike, but he's an ultra, like he rides hundred mile rides. Right. Yeah. So you have to kind of say, what can you normally do? Like, so say normally mm-hmm. I can play three sets of tennis and I'm not tired, but I have been feeling that way. Even if you know your risk factors, I have an early family history of heart disease. I know my cholesterol is high. Mm-hmm. So listing those things off, you're almost giving them the picture painted. And now they just have to fill in number five on the paint by number. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. That's all they got. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm grateful to learn from you, you ladies. Like really, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry for how we're learning from you, Stacy, in this way. Thank but you. Yeah. It makes me want to care for myself and the women in my life a little bit differently. Yeah. So, and thanks uh, Kim for your expertise on that. Absolutely. And I, I think women are at such a pivotal part too, because most often the women are making the decisions on the food to buy and to make and choosing to be active with your family members and all that piece, which then instills mm-hmm. that healthy lifestyle from the beginning. My parents yeah. were both PE majors, so I was kind of destined to <laughs> and my dad study. My dad's life work is studying exercise and preventing heart disease. So I kind of yeah. was born into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Love that. And I'm grateful for you. So thank you. Oh, I'm glad you texted me. Many levels. Me too. <laughs> We're not going to give Kim's number in the show notes, but no. everyone needs to find a Kim. Everyone needs yes. a Kim yes. for sure. That's true. You got to have a Kim somewhere for when you need a Kim. Yes, for sure. Just go stand outside your local hospital and track down. <laughs> exactly. You're like, I'm Kim? The coolest looking nurse. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I love, it. love that. So first of all, we just are grateful for both of you telling your story, Stacy and Kim giving us your expertise. And we're thankful because it helps us understand the risk factors. It helps us understand that it's not a man's disease. This is something that women need to take very seriously. It's the leading cause of death for women in the United States and globally, which is a startling number to talk about. And a couple things to just review. We've kind of identified how we got to where we are today. But the big question is, do you understand your risk factors? Do you understand what the symptoms are? Do you have the education? And then the second is, can you figure out ways to communicate that don't minimize your importance? Because as a person, you are important. You are important to those people that love you in your lives. And as we kind of think about that, sometimes I know women will take steps because they'll say, I'll do it for my children. And whatever your reason is to do these things, something we've learned from you is let's advocate for ourselves a little better. Let's be not demanding because we're not trying to be outside of our voice, but let's stand up for ourselves when we have these symptoms by writing them down, speaking clearly about them and not minimizing them as if we're trying to make the decision for that caregiver. Give the information, give it directly, be upfront and take action and not try to wait it out at home, get right in there. With that said, thank you both for being here and thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.